Welcome to We Only Talk Hockey, a podcast where the title is the description. I'm Mike. Shane is on the other side. This week we are doing our trade deadline special, and I think let's I think let's start with. I thought this trade deadline was more active than a usual trade deadline. I don't know if you got that impression or not, but for me, it felt like a very active trade deadline. A lot of teams were buying in. A lot of teams were, a lot of players were getting moved. Almost, it felt like almost more than usual. I don't know if you got that impression. And if you did, do you feel there's something going on that's unique about this year? So I do think there was a little more player movement. And I think part of the reason is because, Teams aren't valuing this year's draft picks nearly as much as they usually would because, as a lot of GMs have mentioned, the scouting has been really hard to do given the COVID situation. So I think a lot of teams are like, well, I guess it's okay to get rid of our picks for this year kind of thing. But I think more than the whole league being active, I think it was some teams who think they've really got a shot were a lot more active than usual. So I, I thought that it was more active, I mean, a little bit because you could say a little bit about the scouting or the draft class, uh, although teams really 5 through 10 anyway are probably not seeing this class significantly worse. It's really teams 5 through 1 probably, but it's, I mean, whatever. It's not to dwell too much on the draft. I thought that prospects, I mean, that players were on the move more this year because the teams on the bottom – know they can kind of just sell more easily with the idea of this is a shortened season and you kind of can get, if you get the same value for a player, if you get a first round pick or a second round pick, you might as well go for it in a year that seems shorter. And it seems like, like the idea, Oh, you might as well just sell them uh, for like two, a few weeks of action compared to a typical season where you're getting kind of you trade in February and kind of have two months left of, of, of ice time i don't know if you you saw that or not yeah on on that point normally it's about 75 percent of the way into the season is when the uh trade deadline is that's yeah. also the case this year it just happens to be for most teams that's around 14 games left in the season so but yeah there was definitely more player movement it obviously has to do with a lot of different factors teams think they can make a move in this odd system of where they're really playing their their divisions a lot so they have a better idea of what they think they can do in at least that first round or two um so i do think the teams who thought they could make a move to better themselves and have a chance did yeah and i think to speak to the unusual factor of this trade deadline particularly with the North division, which I think is a good way to, is that you have to, I believe, quarantine for two weeks before even stepping onto the ice, which it, it kind of like leaves this whole extra X factor for all the teams that were buying in, in the North division to, because you, you want to get those stars, but you have to integrate them into your lineup and you really can't do that for two weeks. So I guess that, I mean, that's also part of the interesting factor of this trade deadline. So, um, the only people who need to quarantine, I think, and I don't even know if this is still true, is players going either from the North Division to the other divisions or from the other divisions to the North Division. Um, within the divisions in the U.S., there was not necessary for quarantine um, because some of the players were already playing on their new teams tonight. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's more for going over to Canada, which I think we saw a lot of those moves. So, uh, and I guess I guess let's start with the uh, the team that was the most active at the deadline, which was the Maple Leafs. And I mean, like you see, you get Nick Falinga, you get Riley Nash, you get David Riddick, and I'm trying to think which deal really is the deal that, that like make. Uh, there isn't really one that stands out of the like the five or six deals that they made at the deadline. But I think overall, what they are saying is not only are we going all in on this season, we are trying to add any question marks that we had prior to the trade deadline. When you look at their roster, it's very hard to find any weakness. You could maybe point to the back end of their score, like the third or fourth line offensively as a potential weakness. You can maybe point to backup goaltending, which I guess they addressed with with, uh, getting David Riddick, who will join Jack Campbell, maybe Frederick Anderson, we'll see. But it was really like any questions that we have before we make this cup run, where we feel this is our year, we are going to try to address. I don't know if you kind of saw that or not. I do too. I think they're like, especially because most of the picks they traded are not this coming year. It's the year after because they had already traded this year's picks last year. Um, And you've seen that last couple of years with the Toronto is just getting rid of it, like trading picks everywhere. But this, I think, was their most active year. And I I think, think, yeah, I think like really when you look at them, they notice that Austin Matthews is in his prime and he's peaking right now, Mitch Marner peaking right now and, and it's it's really like all the pieces are in place and you're not they they they're gonna they're they're basically gonna deal with the future when it comes but like for now it's like we're going all in we're trying to we're trying to win that first stanley cup since 1967 i believe and they're gonna they're they have all the pieces now in place for that i guess so sorry i, if I... I don't think that's it though i think there's an aspect of the division they're in now I think they feel the division they're in now will be much easier to get to the final four than any of the previous years with Boston and the lightning and, and and whatever. I think they feel this is our year where we can break through to the final four and possibly have a chance, you know, at the cup this year when in previous years they've been stuck by Boston. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 very interesting because yeah, like it once you if they could reach the final four with this team, then it's really like well, whatever matchup they potentially get, it's it's really just all up in the air, and it's all just that's that's just a thing to speculate in the future. But it really, yeah, I feel like the Maple Leafs kind of won the. I mean, it's hard to say they won the deadline, but they're certainly the team that were that were the most aggressive and the most active, and the team that was willing to go over the top just to make sure that they have the best roster in place. And I mean, other than that, there were a couple of like, I think the rest of the, the big four teams in the division that bought in because Vancouver kind of sold at the deadline. The Flames half sold. They didn't go a full, they didn't fully sell out the deadline. The Senators kind of moved some veterans around. Didn't, I mean, they don't really have much assets to move anyway, but really the, two, the other three were the Canadians, the Jets, and the Oilers. And they kind of added, individual pieces i guess we'll start with the canadians well, where it's like they get john john merrill and they get eric Gust- gustafson before we move on to uh yeah. to uh the canadians i think we should spend a moment i think obviously the biggest move toronto made was nick felino uh, yeah. what i think that did for them was shored up that second line that they have with Tavares and i can't remember who the other person on that line is william nylander maybe 
I think. I think it's Nylander. Because the top line is, I think, Zach Hyman, uh, Mitchell Marner, and Austin Matthews. Yeah. So it And they did it for a very reasonable price. Yes, they gave picks, but yeah. the biggest thing was the salary. They're only taking on, I think, 25%. And so... I think that's what's really was their biggest thing is they shored up that second line scoring. Even if they do have mm-hmm. a little bit of light on the back end, they got some other players for that, but they really shored up that second line. And I think that's going to be a big help for them. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you look at people like Joe Thornton who are on the team, Wayne Simmons, he, they, they have the pieces. I think it's just a matter of finding out who works with who on their lineup. I, I guess like, Moving on, where the Canadians kind of got John Merrill, Eric Gustafson, two, I guess you could say back-end players who will help uh, the defense. I, I don't know if they, they didn't they didn't make – they weren't as aggressive at the deadline, but they, they kind of added these players who I think shore up a very, a very like, big need and, sh- and help it very well, I think. Because, like, really, look, it was – you look at their top line, their top pairing of Jeff Petrie, Joe Edmondson having an incredible season, both of them. And then you look after that and it slowly drops off. I mean, Shea Weber's in there, but like it slowly drops off. But getting these two pieces really were the two pieces I think they needed uh, moving forward for the rest of the season. I don't know what you kind of take on the Canadians at the deadline, kind of making only these yeah, two moves. I, or... I think part, they obviously did. They shored up their back end a little bit. But I do think they have a little bit of a – the reason they didn't go all out is because I think they realized they're in a division that's going to be real hard to get out of. They obviously are going to try, but, like, I don't think they wanted internally to sell everything because they're, they've been rebuilding the last couple of years, and I think they're like, mm-hmm. if we can do it, we can do it. We'll get a couple pieces, but, like – we're still building for the future. We're still trying to put this thing together. It is interesting because they were very active in the, uh, in the off season. Uh, they traded, they traded Max Domi. They, they, they moved around a lot of pieces and then all of a sudden they, I mean, of course they had that hot start, but like they're a team. I think the way the Canadians view themselves at the deadline is they're a team that I think feels pretty confident. They'll get that final spot. But they they want to be sure they don't want to go, but uh, they don't want to mortgage the future. But they want to be sure that if they face the Maple Leafs in the first round or the Jets in the first round, they have a very good chance of competing in that in that series, which I think they do with with shoring up the back end of their defense. I think. Yeah, I I completely agree. Like that's what I'm saying. They weren't they weren't going to make any huge flashy moves and sell out the future, but they definitely did try and make themselves more competitive in that playoff race because I do think they feel yeah. like they're going to get in, and I believe that they will be that four team. Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, and that kind of leaves us with the two teams that bought in in the north. Uh, just the last two, which kind of I, I feel both moves are kind of you can kind of interchange. As in, there are two teams that are getting a back end defensive defenseman, which again like help helps a need for both of them. I think both teams, it's it's not look in the mirror when you look at the Jets and you look at the Oilers. They're almost two contra- contrasting teams in the sense like the Oilers have or have McDavid Drysaddle, McDavid's line, Drysaddle's line, and then there's almost a drop of Darnell Nurse on the defensive end. But 
both teams, you, you see them just add that depth player on the defense and is really the piece that they needed just to add to you. Now you have three solid pairings for both teams, really. I don't know if you have, yeah. if one stands out more or not. I, not really. I, I agree. It seems like they didn't do much. They got a player. They got a back in them. I think it was more a matter of shoring up and uh, yeah. that. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You look at, you look at both teams. I think, I think it's very interesting. You look at, I mean, like the Oilers specifically, it's like Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry. Then you get to the second pairing. It's Adam Larson, I believe. And then you start wondering, like, who's Adam Larson? Who can he pair up with? Who can? And Dmitry Kulikov, just like, he's a, he's an all right. He had, he's been had his streaky. He's been on and off, I guess you could say, with the Devils. But then again, with the Devils, a lot of them are on and off, just like, it's, it's, a, it's a rough year for the Devils. And then same with Jordy Ben, where it's like they have a pairing in Neil Pionk, Derek Forbert. Uh, you look at how Josh Morrissey has played. He's played well. But then you start wondering, like, how do the other pairings work? And it just add, it just adds in there. And I think – and it's – yeah, it just feels like that's what they did. They just really needed – they were like, all right, we just want that one piece. We don't want to, like, go crazy. But we did that. I don't know what else you so- – so one last detail on the Jets before we move into the East mm-hmm. is I kind of felt like maybe they would go offense in the trade deadline because their defense is really good, is pretty good. But then I thought about it a little harder and I realized they're getting a lot of good stats from chemistry and from the way that team is built. I don't think they wanted to touch it. <laughs> I think they were like, yeah, I- it's good. Let's leave it where it is. I think the best part is that we get Jordy Ben is I think he kind of integrate into the lineup a little faster because he's coming from Vancouver. So I don't, I don't know if he, I don't know if he needs the, I don't know the quarantine rules specifically, but like, uh, I think he could play sooner rather than later, which I think they'll, they'll want to figure out who he pairs up best with, but it's not like they're messing up that they're messing with their lineup too much. I think in that, with that in mind. So, So yeah, I guess let's shift over to the East a bit. If, yeah. if you wanna you wanna lead this one, I guess. Yeah. So the East, while Toronto was the most active team, the East was the most active division. All t- all four teams that were cur- that are currently in the top four: Washington Islanders, Penguins, yeah. and Bruins made a deal. I want to start with the Bruins though, because it's, it's the big deal. It's like the big yeah. deal of the deadline. They got Taylor Hall. But I think there's more to it than that. In the offseason, when Taylor Hall was a free agent, he wanted Mm -hmm. to go to Boston. And Boston was like, "Mm, no. And so he's like, okay, I'll go for a year to Buffalo or whatever. But he had a no-trade clause. And so when they wanted to move him, he was essentially like, I want to go to Boston. And Boston was like, yeah, we'll take you. And so they got him at a cheaper price. And I think it will be good yeah. for his career as opposed to playing with a crappy team. Playing I think there are rumors doesn't about where a star. I think there are rumors about other teams had better offers in place for Taylor Hall, but because of that no movement clause, you couldn't move it. Yeah, I, I wonder, there's a lot of questions about this deal, of course. I mean, I think I think Boston could make sense. I in the in the long term whether they'll extend him whether that's what that was part of the deal even was extend was the like kind of like when the deal that comes to mind is when Mark Stone got traded from Ottawa to Vegas a few years ago was agreed upon that in order to deal him there he would 
be extended shortly after. I believe it was like a week later he was extended. So maybe that's what's going on. I don't want, I don't want to think too much about that. I'm thinking more of where Taylor Hall plays. Cause I think the, I think this season, the expectation was you're going to be a top line. You're going to be a top line skater with Jack Eichel. You guys are going to be the lead, the lead skaters and we need points from you. And I think, I think what's interesting with Boston is they already have their top line, which is, is Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, arguably one of the best top top lines. I, I'm wondering, like, where Taylor, where do you see Taylor Hall playing? Is he at the second line piece that like they just needed, or is you? I would you see him just playing in the third line, uh, adding depth there. I I wonder based on how Boston's playing, where they could play t- Taylor Hall. So I definitely do not think it's a Mark Stone type of deal. Um, I think it's actually very much the opposite. I think it's a, you're going to come, you're going to play the last of the season. Hopefully we make it to the playoffs. They've got people on their coattails um, and play and we'll see what happens. If you can look like a marginal amount of yourself, we'll talk about a deal after. Um, Because I think when he was looking in the off season, he wanted a longer term deal from them. And I don't think they wanted Mm -hmm. to give it. And so I think this is like yeah. a proving test. And I think they also think, had the cap room. If yeah. I mean, like they might have had it, but they don't. They didn't want to spend yeah. any of their cap, which they didn't. They cut back, like Tory Krug, for example. They didn't sign him. Go, sorry, go on. So I, I think he fits in either in two or three. I think what might happen is the first week or whatever of these last fourteen games. Let's say the first four or five games. He ends up, he starts playing on the third line. If he looks good with that third line, which I don't think is their best line by any means, obviously the first line is, but I think, I think it's clear of Boston that their top line has been incredible as it always is one of the best in the NHL. And then there's a huge drop off. And this is really the piece that they want to see like can. And so I think it'll be like, I think it'll be like an elevator. I think it will be okay. We know it was Buffalo and Buffalo absolutely sucked. So we'll see what you do here on the third line and then we'll move you up and see if we can get that second line to click. And then they would have two good lines. Well, one great line and one good line. Yeah. And that's what they need. They'd really need that. I think, I think it's interesting because like now that I think about it more the, when was the last time Taylor Hall really wasn't asked to be the star skater or even a top three skater on his own team. And it, you might, it might be ever. Yeah, it might be his first time in his career. And that, with that in mind, I think if he put the way he plays, he's not, I mean, I don't know if he's that instinctive. He's, he's going to be that instinctive guy who gets, gets the puck to the back of the net as much as like he can, he can, his value can be distributing the puck with his line mates who, who can get in front of the net and get fine scoring opportunities. Someone like Nick Ritchie, really, the way Nick Ritchie's played this year is really almost feels like a perfect fit for him uh in those later yeah i think it's i think it's a it's a lower stress environment like like not stress lower pressure environment because he had the big year the mvp year in in new jersey and then he got hurt the following year and then the year the first half of the year after there was not real confidence the devils wanted to get rid of everything and it was whatever and then buffalo happened so i think I think what's going to, what it's going to be about is 
like even when he was traded to Florida, it wasn't or Arizona, it wasn't yeah. like he was supposed to be the one guy, like the top guy. And I think this will be like, okay, we'll give you time to get back to yourself. Just play your game. You don't have the pressure of being the star. We're a big team. You got big yeah. names. You can do your thing. Yeah, I think I think it's better to the, because they can tell him just play your style of, of hockey. And that's going to work with what we have potentially, which I think it will because like Boston really, the pieces are, so, you could say the pieces are there. I mean, it's a question. He played in the Craig Smith, Smith line. I, Whatever line he joins, if it, once it works, then it's like, oh, Boston's actually the team to fear. I think the other note on Boston is they also got Curtis Lazar in the deal and they also made a deal for Mike Riley. And I think both those, both those moves just add just our just our depth pieces, especially Mike Riley is good because their defense has been great all season, but it, you just start to see the injuries starting to pile in at this time. Charlie McAvoy missed a few games. Uh, I think uh, Matt Grizzlick, Grizzlick missed a few games. Those, those players are hard to replace and just getting an extra piece there is really valuable, especially for a playoff run. I don't Yeah. Weird stat. Like in the game the other night, the, eight one trouncing mm-hmm. um they kept showing the the games the uh entire total games played of the of the boston defense the capitals defense it was <laughs> one guy had played one game there were a couple in the 20s there was yeah. it was it was really bad i think i think also tukarask has been hurt so it's a yeah i think it's yeah it was very it's very interesting because like i saw that i was like eight one is that's bad i saw that's going I'm like that's bad and I also I also then realized I'm like wait but the Boston defense is injured and then I'm like there's no way Charlie McAvoy is stopping eight goals I I, I guess like let's let, that's a good way to lead into kind of what the Caps did because I think the Caps I think the Caps are a good team to really I, I kind of wondered why are they the, the first thing I thought of is why are they making this big deal especially when you uh you're giving away Jacob Verano, who I think has been very, who's been a big contributor, especially over the course of, of his career with the Capitals, but you're, you're giving up a lot for Anthony Mantha. And I was wondering why, and then you watch him recently and he gets that goal. I, I, it's really just, it's really an interesting case. I guess I'll let you kind of start with the, uh, with why they got Anthony Mantha and what makes sense from that. So all around, I think that the Capitals are the loser of the trade deadline. I understand the move they made. I see why they did it. And I think it was horrible. Um, Let's point this out first. When I first saw the trade, I was driving home. So all I saw was the headline and I thought it said they got the picks. So I thought it was Jacob Vrana, Richard Ponick and a second for a first and Anthony Monta. I was like, "Eh, okay. And then I got home and I actually read the article and no, it was, one player, Anthony Monta for Jacob Verona, who, by the way, they have nearly identical stats this year. And that's with, I'll get to one thing in a second. So the two big reasons this was done is they wanted yeah. to get rid of Richard Ponick's horrible contract. They were still locked in for two further years. They needed cap space. Ovechkin's contract is up at the end of the year. They're definitely going to resign them, but they needed the money. And he hasn't even been playing. The other thing is Peter Laviolette hates Vrana. And Vrana, because of that, hates Peter Laviolette. 
and this isn't just conjecture. His his ice time has been being decreased. He played, I think, in the last month and a half, like an average of 10 minutes, which by the way is still great how it's uh how he still has almost the exact same numbers as Anthony Monta, but he did have a slow stretch there when he was playing like nine. You would 10 say minutes. that's more like fourth line, that's more like fourth line numbers, 10 it, minutes. If that. And he was still playing on the second line, but he was like barely playing. And the other thing was a couple, like, I think it was early in March. They went overtime. He was sat the entire third period and they went to overtime and he scored the game winning goal in overtime. As he's going back to the bench, he gave this death stare at uh, the bench at the coaches. Most people assume it was at Peter Laviolette. All pretty much the rest of the bench has been the same for years. Most people assume it was directed toward uh, Peter Laviolette. And so I think a good portion of this was because there was tension there and it just wasn't working between them. I do think Jacob Verona had better upside and the Capitals, I thought, needed the speed that they gave up in Verona. I think now they're a comparatively slower team. And the other thing is, I think his development was going better, but there's the other fact that he, Monta has three years after this year left on his deal. Granted, it would probably have been the same number they would have given to Vrana around. Um, but with that tension between the coach and the player, Mm-hmm. the team's going to pick the coach and I think he wouldn't have wanted to resign. I think it got so bad that he was not going to resign at the end of the year that it was like, let's get what we can for him. And I think the second round pick they gave was kind of to take Richard Ponick <laughs> was take his contract. The one thing I just don't get is that first round pick. I don't see yeah. that first round pick. Why? I was wondering, cause this is the type of move you see from a team almost selling at the deadline where you're giving up all these, all these, all these pieces in order to just, I mean, you're shedding contract. You're, I mean, it, it really just felt like that. And then you threw in the draft picks and it really all came down to just Anthony Manta. And I mean, you see the talent Anthony Manta has and how it, you, you could make the argument similar to Taylor Hall in Buffalo where Detroit, it's like, you can't really evaluate what he had at Detroit. And now it's like, okay, we had that, but tonight was, yeah, it, tonight was his first game. Uh, they yeah, trounced I mean, the flyers uh, second game in a row. They trounced a team, but he, he scored a goal and got an assist. He looked okay, but there were big stretches of that game where he was invisible. And that's one thing I think Vrana gave that a lot of their players don't have. Cause there's always points except for, I would say Nicholas Backstrom Everyone else and TJ Oshie, everyone else on that time team, there are times where they kind of fade. Vrana, whenever he was on the ice, it was number 13's on the ice. He's got the ability for a single dump out to go the complete other way. You were watching him. He was always making moves. He was always whatever. Granted, Monta played well, but there were just times where he seemed like another one of the guys on the team. He did have what didn't score a beautiful stick handle towards the end of the game he wasn't able to lift it over the pads but i'm not sure what they were thinking so i mean i'm thinking on the like when more the more i think about this is with with anthony mantha in their lineup 
it's kind of very similar, like the same thought process of when Pierre-Luc Dubois got traded, Patrick Laine, that whole like trade happened. Everyone was saying Patrick, uh, the Blue Jackets getting Patrick Laine and Jake Roslovic was better. But Pierre-Luc Dubois was that piece that the Jets needed just to, uh, as that late line center who adds that depth. I think I'm just thinking about this. If Anthony Manta can add that scoring presence to the second line, or the third line, really, it's going to probably be more the second line. Uh, that's what the Capitals need, especially if they play the Penguins or they play the Islanders, a team that can defend the top line very well, that can defend Ovechkin. Can, but once the second line comes in, uh, you need that scoring presence. You need, you need to get those goals in those playoff series. And I think that that's where you could see the value start to start to show. I don't so I, I agree. And while I think Verona is a better player, granted, it's hard to evaluate. He was with the Red Wings. With the coach not trusting him, that second line has been all out of whack. And you couldn't, there was no consistency there. And they need to build some consistency going into the playoffs. They had injuries, they had COVID, they had whatever. They needed to build some consistency with someone he trusted. And then there's the fact of Connor Sheary, who has been an amazing acquisition for the Capitals, but he plays best when he's paired with Lars Eller. But because the coach didn't trust Vrana or something was going on between them, he would like, those lines would shuffle a lot and Sheary would either play on the second or the third or the first or the what. And now that I think, I do think the coach trusts him until he gives him a reason not to. And so I do think it might bring some stability to that lineup, which I think can really help the team become more consistent and not have as much of that inconsistency they've had randomly throughout the season. Yeah. And I mean, and yeah, it's really interesting to see because uh, I mean, yeah, the pieces are there. I think it's, it, yeah, it's similar. Like I think back to how Taylor Hall going to Boston, the pieces are there. And then if you just get the right combination, it's going to click. I mean, they also added uh, Michael Rothel, another late wing sort of skater, just to we'll probably play on the fourth. I think fourth line, you're really looking at that. Uh, so and it, that yeah, boggled it, me because I don't see him playing. The only I mean, person I see them maybe moving – out for him would be sprong because now you've got the top two lines which have become kuznetsov ovechkin and wilson you've got backstrom now mantha and oshi oshi yeah. yeah then you've got eller and shiri and uh sprong and then in the la- then bottom line you've got nick dowd who has been their best face-off man he's actually yeah. been really good this year His he's having a great year which is yeah. why the team is doing as well as they are Haglin and Hathaway. You're not getting rid of Haglin because they they have a top 10 uh, penalty kill, and he is a big part of that. Um, he's a very good defensive winger. Hathaway, I could see maybe, but honestly, about Raffle, I'm not even sure which line he plays on, but that's the issue. I don't see now where he fits into the lineup. So my thing is I think they made that deal first. And the Mantha deal didn't get done. Literally, it was announced after the deadline, which means it was given in pretty close to the buzzer. But if it's given in beforehand, the league, it's fine. You have the hour after. Yeah. So 
I think it was, they didn't know if they were going to get that Mantha deal done. I don't know how long they were talking about it. And it was a, let's get a winger. It also, in it's case. hard because there were a lot of pieces involved in the Mantha deal, I think that you don't know if it's going to work because a lot of pieces had to be in place to figure out like what the cap can it work. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it could, I could see that being a possibility. I see it more of, I mean, besides for being on the fourth line, I think, I think Michael Roffel, I think if injuries happen, which are inevitable, you kind of had that guy there just in, just in case yeah. it's not, that's that's the part of it also, I guess. Yeah, I think so too. I think it was an insurance policy in case they couldn't get that Monta deal done with all those pieces moving around or whatever. Uh, Ponick wasn't playing anymore. He was on the taxi squad. But the thing is that fourth line, maybe they take him out for Sprong, but Sprong has played well, even though he was in and out of the lineup. And then he got him within, when they had injuries, he got his chance to prove himself and he did. But that fourth line, they trust. Like, they've shuffled the top three lines all season. That fourth line has not yeah. changed all season. I think in the I think in the defense, Tom Wilson had to miss a, a few games. So they kind of were shuffling then. It's, it's not really their fault. Now that he's back, it's like, yeah, they know that they can have that top line. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the Capitals were the – Bruins of the Capitals are the two teams that made the biggest headlines. And then after that, you kind of get the Bruin, you get the Penguins and the Islanders who made the, made kind of, I guess you could say one or two big moves. We kind of discussed the Islanders. The Penguins were the team that made that one, I guess you could say big move or would you key call, move. I mean, I would key say move. key move. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Carter is, is, is a key because you, you know, their top line where you have Brian Rust, you have Sidney Crosby, you have Jake Ensel. Evgeny Malkin, I think, is out for the rest of the season. I don't know if that's true or not, I, but like, um, not that I think I he's been. he's 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 out for a long, an extended amount of time. He's been out for most of the season, and I believe he's I believe he's out for for a long time moving forward. I'm not sure entirely, but uh, I mean, regardless, they're the penguins are, the, are an intriguing team entering the deadline entering the deadline because it's like you can't really buy in too much because your roster has some pieces you need to maybe sell moving forward rebuild for but jeff carter jeff carter is a nice piece on the probably second line center that is that just add just adds to that scoring unit which is already a deadly score which is already playing well this season uh i mean i don't know if you're so, yeah, Malkin was moved to long-time IR um, in March, uh, end of March, So, uh, which I didn't even know. So, I even... Yeah, I've, we, been, I've been watching a ton of yeah. hockey this year. I just, so, I, even, yeah. even with... Um, even with Malkin in, I think they needed a center depth. I think I said that in our first week I, when we talked about the Penguins first, second week, I was like, I yeah. think their issue is down the middle. They kind of after that Crosby Malkin, they had nothing. And now it would be even worse. Yes, they've been playing well, but I think there's a point in the playoffs where that breaks, um, where that kind of get like that kind of hole would become glaringly evident. And I think this at least gives them a chance, you know, to stabilize. I think it also, 
I think for sure that's the, the big thing is where when they play and we've discussed with the Bruins and the Capitals where it's like when they play each other, which I think is like you're looking at these four teams, regardless of who you face, who regardless who you match up against, uh, you're going to face a team that has a great top pairing defensively. I think we could say that about all four teams uh, in who are going to project and make the playoffs. They have a great pairing it's going to probably get a lot of ice time against that top line. You're going to, you're, they're going to eliminate these teams are going to eliminate the top line. You need to find goals where you usually don't get them. And when the Capitals Bruins, they've, they've clearly made those moves. This move does that. This move you add to, you add to those uh, later lines, you add a scoring center who, who's also been in the pl- playoffs of the Kings, I believe. Veteran, yeah, veteran. He won. Yeah. I think he was there for the cup runs in the early 10s, was yeah. he? I believe so. I believe the second one for sure with the 2014 team. Yeah, but. so you get a guy with experience. You get a guy who can sort of be a glue for that second line or third line, and yeah. it does. It gives them a little depth. I do think these – I think this the East playoff series are going to be very gritty. They're going to be – much very, more defensive, I would think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very think, bounce of a puck kind of thing, you know. Well, chip and chase, if, if you want to think of the word. Like, I think I think watching the Capitals Islanders, when we just saw the chip and chase game, the way it took over the second game, that one nothing game, the way both teams had to kind of get the puck into the corner, try to gain, gain control of the boards, and just try to maybe get a goal, get a good shot on net. I think we're going to see a lot, you could see a lot of that. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, so actually that's true, but that's not what I meant when I said uh, bounce of the puck. I literally mean there are these series sometimes where things come down to literal odd bounce of a puck. And I think some of these series are going to come down to that. I definitely think an Islanders capital series, uh, could come down to that, uh, especially you see that one nothing game. And I think that is going to be, especially now with Monta, I do think it gives him a little stability. And so I think you will see a little more of that consistency, which I think will cause those closer games. I think that series would be really low scoring. I think most of them are going to be either high scoring, but they don't look it like you get odd yeah. goals in bunches, but they look very close, very tight even if the scores sometimes aren't, I think it's really going to be an up in the air division. I think that's yeah. why everyone made moves. I think it's interesting. Cause like when you, when you mentioned that, I think of the Jeff Carter signing and I think of what the penguins have been very good at this season. I think the penguins have really, especially uh, with Craw- with their, the Crosby line have been good at odd man rushes, um, creating speed, getting goals uh, on, on turnovers. Uh, really just kind of get, taking advantage of, of open ice. And, you know, I don't know if you would, you would say they're as effective in the offensive zone, but their their primary strength hasn't really been in the offensive zone this season. I think adding Jeff Carter really adds to that. He, he's, he's really good in, in the center of the ice, in the, uh, in the offensive zone. And I think he really, he brings that extra element to the Penguins offense overall. Yeah. So, that there's definitely that for the penguins and i think it's um a little similar to the caps but not as much so the caps mm-hmm. i think another reason that vrana was moved was he was a very much a speed player speed finesse player yeah. 
that is the way the NHL is going, but that is not the way the team is built. And it, I think with Lavila, it just wasn't a fit because they like to play this break-in game where they play in with their – they have their defense. One of the defensemen often is the one making the run around the board or in the zone, and they have the guy from the opposite wing essentially yeah. – curls in to the space he was so that the defense doesn't need to worry about it and i'm not sh- and i think mantha is a much better fit for that kind yeah. of game than Vrana was so yeah and i think with and with jeff carter it's kind of he adds that element to their offense he doesn't really like disrupt what the penguins do on the top line he'll just really add that to the second line or the third third i'm more likely second line and uh and really, yeah, the only other the only team I think we just we discussed last week the Pat the uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac deal to the Islanders, and uh, the only other addition Braden Coburn, Coburn going to the going on the later defensive pairings uh, potentially. I don't know who we'll pair up with because the Islanders have already three great pairings, but it's but it's it's going to be in, it's it's going to be interesting moving forward. I think the East is that division that's going to be. Exciting just based on the deadline. The central division, not much took place except for what I think one big deal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think it's the scariest deal. I think every team in the league is terrified (laughs) of that deal. (laughs) It was like, it was like wondering wondering if the lightning are going to be active or if they, if they were like going to make that one move where they're like going to juggle the cap somehow to make a big deal and it, it's funny. It's like, yeah, the central division, there are really like two notes that really stand out. There's the Panthers made two moves that kind of add depth to the lineup. I feel like it's kind of like, it's kind of intriguing, but not, it's kind of like a bookmark where it's like, yeah, that might make a difference. David Savard to the lightning where I think he could pair with Victor Hedman. Yeah. He's going to be the top line. It's especially it's, with it, Kucherov coming it's back. It's terrifying. <laughs> It's incredible how the Lightning are able to do are able to do this uh, every year. Even even since Steve Eiserman has left, it's like every year they. I mean, last year at the deadline, I believe did they? I think they added Barkley Goudreau at the deadline. They added uh, they added I forget. I don't know if they added uh, a uh, Blake Coleman, but like they 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 just they just make these moves. They, I don't know how they, like, they got it done again. Um, I mean, Columbus, like, is selling, but, like, just getting getting David Savard, a, an impact defenseman, is going to have, really puts, put a team that didn't need to be put over the top, over the top again. So, so my biggest thing, I want to, I want to give a round of applause to the GM because asked earlier in the yeah. season, I don't remember exactly how earlier they were asked, Oh, so are you thinking about anything for the trade deadline? And he's like, we don't have the cap space. And I think I like our players. We're good. We're not really going to do nothing. And, and they come out and make, I think one of the best moves, maybe outside of Nick yeah. Felino, because especially with Nikita Kucherov coming back, which a lot of people have an issue with that. They've already said he's going to be put back onto the active roster the day after the season ends. And everyone's like, that's just clear and blatant manipulation of the cap, which it is, but those are the rules. So, but with Nikita, like, I think he's already healthy. I think they're just like, we're good. We're getting in. You'll wait. And get the one seed probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're like, 
yeah, we're good. You'll sit out and wait. We won't have to pay for it. We can now make this trade for David Savard. And it, it, uh, I, I just got to give them props for that. And I think every team, especially in that division, I think Carolina looks in that, at that as like, they, I think they might've been like, oh, it's not, our division isn't going to be that active this year. And then they come out with this move and Carolina's got to be face palming at this moment. Yeah. They're probably wondering like what else they could have, what, what they could have done if anything, but like, yeah, I look at, yeah, because you look at the lightning, a lot of times you really feel like because of the way Victor Hedman is active, at, especially on the offensive end, the way Victor Hedman is active at the blue line, the way he's, the way he's able to kind of uh, creep, creep into the, in, into the crease. He's able to just basically um, his skating abilities. He's able to be everywhere all the time. You really, you always wonder who he's paired up with because all you're thinking like if he just gets another great defenseman to pair up with him, especially uh, to one allow him to be more aggressive on the offensive zone and two to like compliment what he does. And they just, and they just get a, a guy as good as David Savard is. And it's, it's just, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible to see uh, how, like how they look moving forward. Probably the, the still the cup could, the cup favorite for, I mean, so, so they, uh, I, I definitely agree with your statement. He's a very active defense, uh, offensive defenseman. And you all, it's always good when they're paired with a mostly defensive defenseman. And those are in shorter supply nowadays. And yeah. I think another example to a much lesser degree would be Nick Jensen and Chara. Now Jensen has a partner who can stay back and yeah. he can be all, I mean, I think Victor Hedman is do it all where he he does play very well. Like he plays, he plays very well on the defensive end. Also, I mean, we know him most or what got him the Norris trophy was that offensive performances, but yeah, he's a do it all guy, but now he could basically play more aggressively uh, on that, on that line. Uh, I don't know if you. Yeah, have... I completely agree. I think that's what it is. I, he doesn't need to be as cautious of him being aggressive in the offensive zone leading to a mistake happening on the back end, like getting by him if he's in the offensive zone and a breakout two-on-ones or whatever. And I think he can be much more aggressive getting into the zone, in the zone kind of thing where he operates best, I think. Yeah, I think I think like the only other thing to think about is with the David Spart deal is I think we kind of we should have seen the writing on the wall when when the early trades started happening the early trades like starting last week when some of the players got moved and it was like how can this team afford that and it was like oh well this team's taking up 50% of the salary cap or 25% of the salary cap or even 75% to but they're getting a prospect or they're getting a draft pick in return and I think once it started happening it opened that that I guess you'd call it Pandora's box or open the window for teams to basically say, Oh, we can acquire any star now, as long as we can throw in some draft picks, throw in some extra late round picks, as long as the other team just eats up 50% or whatever the number is, just so we could fit under the cap. And the lightning just saw that. And they're like, yeah, we, we can, we can take advantage of that. Yeah, completely. I think they, uh, I think that honestly thinking about it might be the single best move. I think Toronto overall 
one, they made a lot of moves. I think yeah. they improved. I think they shored up. But that one move, I think, will have a large impact going into the as long as it works. Yeah. You know, every now there are times where it just doesn't, but as long as it works, I think it'll be very scary. Yeah, it's I mean, Tampa will be. I think the yeah, I mean, yeah, in terms of who else won the deadline, yeah. We, I mean, I'm just thinking like maybe Taylor Hall will end up becoming if he ends up becoming like MVP Taylor Hall, Hall. <laughs> uh MVP Hall, then then we're gonna look back and say, Oh, Boston won the deal. Right now, we're not gonna say that. Uh, if it's three years he's still with Boston and they have two yeah. amazing lines, yeah, we'll probably say Boston won the deal, but not at this moment. I mean, yeah. I mean, this kind of leaves us with the uh, last division. And really, my takeaway is how not active, how unactive, I guess you could say, the two top teams were Vegas and the Avalanche. The Avalanche got Carl Soderberg and Patrick Nemeth. That was like their two big deals. I think Soderberg is a big deal. I don't think it's a huge deal, but I do think I think the one like nick in their armor that i've mentioned a couple times i think they've helped shore that up with soderberg so because i was wondering in in the context of all the teams that made deals and really i guess just because we were talking about the lightning and david savard that big move that they made in the context of the other moves the Avalanche were kind of quiet, and aside from Matias Janmark to Vegas, they were relatively quiet. And I'm wondering, like, uh, what you what your takeaways are from that? Or it's just, is it a cap issue, or I mean, confidence? Um, I think it's a confidence what? thing. Um, they've been into division, granted, some weird things, but it has been a pretty tight division. And it's these two teams, the Avalanche and the Knights, who are two really good teams beating the hell out of each other for 56 games. And I think that they're like, okay, one of us is going to make it out of our division and we feel pretty confident against the other divisions. I, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, they both see themselves as Stanley Cup contenders, but I mean, just like, I mean, focusing on Colorado for a second, I think they're the type of team that could have done, I mean, just in, in context, the Maple Leafs got a goaltender, even though they have, I think, three on the roster. They got another goaltender. So they're clear, like, we need goaltending depth. We're going to make a move, even if we don't need it per se right now. The, the Avalanche are the type of team where you wonder if Philip Grubauer gets hurt like he did last season in the Stan, in 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 the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, what are goaltending? They were the type of team you're thinking maybe makes a move just to add a goaltender onto their roster. I mean, I'm thinking someone cheap like Cal Peterson or Vitek Vanacek could have been a guy they could have tried to make a a move for to just add to the to the backup goaltending position. But they were quiet. And then for Vegas, uh, really maybe, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, because they have, you really look and there's not really weakness, maybe a fourth line score. I, I guess you could say getting Matias Yanmark does add, add a little bit. I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, I'm wondering why they're both like as silent as they were, considering uh, that they see themselves a step away from the cup. See, I, I think they both don't see themselves a step away. I think they both see themselves as there. 
And I think part of that for Colorado, you've seen Colorado over the last couple of years since they started getting good, making moves at the deadline. The past couple of years, by deadline time, they've already had injuries stacked. Um, last year, Philip Grubauer got hurt later after the deadline. But I think this year, they're the healthiest they have been, and I don't want to jick some here, but the healthiest they have been going into the playoffs since they've since they had that year where they, they slipped into the playoffs and they surprised everyone um, and uh, beat, I can't remember who it was they beat. And so they beat the flames and then they lost to the sharks in seven. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I think, think yeah, with that. Yeah. So, so I think that injury issue, I think with the lack of injury, I think they, re, they have the most points in the league in a division mm-hmm. that has the Vegas golden Knights, another team, everyone expects to be vying for the cup this year. They have an emerging uh, Minnesota team, which has been good, very good. And they've got St. Louis who, yeah, it's St. Louis, but they still have been, they've had their moments where they're, they've this year been themselves, like the cup St. Louis, maybe a little below or really (laughs) far below. It's been two polar opposites. And so when you're playing them, when they're good, they're good. When they're not, they're really not. But I think it's they a think it. thing about them, and then thinking about the Coyotes who could maybe sneak in. But like, I I think with the, my yeah. So you mentioned that that they're healthy now, and that's like that's why I thought they would be active at the deadline is because, uh, and similar with Vegas, I guess you could say is that like once the injuries start and key positions start pile start coming in, the the, the team rapidly falls off. Uh, this year, they've actually been fortunate where Alex Petrangelo has been hurt, but Alec Martinez, Shea Theodore have stepped up and become arguably the best defensive pairing in the NHL. My, my question is, is with that in mind, is that if Colorado, it, because we, they were struggling at one point, they were they were struggling uh, in, in the West Division. And then once they got healthy, once they got healthy, they piled in the wins and they jumped into first place. But the idea was Kale McCarr was hurt. I think Nathan McKinnon missed a few games. It was like when you when one of these players go down, not granted McKinnon and McCarr are hard to replace, but even if like Miko Rantanen or Nassim Kadri go down, the roster really falls off. And I think with that in mind, why didn't they acquire maybe another skater just to just to shore up, shore that issue up? So usually that's the conventional wisdom is get a guy in case. Um I do think they both, I'm not sure what their exact numbers are with the cap. I do think they both are closer to the cap than they would like to be. And I think that it's hard. It is because all conventional wisdom says they should have made some like fourth round or third round draft pick for a guy who they can keep on the taxi squad, but could move into the lineup if needed kind of deal. I just... I don't know if they wanted to make that move, especially. So I think, especially for Vegas, who has been very active, active, and that in the last couple of years, yeah, like I think historically active for their yeah. existence. Yeah, <laughs> the last couple of years where they've really yeah. been considered themselves capable, they've been yeah. very active, and I think that they're like we have a really good roster. We're healthy. Now we think we can stay healthy, which is always a toss of a coin, but I think they both were like, yeah, we, 
we don't want to make this move right now, even though it's against the conventional wisdom. I, we're not going to know exactly unless they come out and say, we didn't make a move and we weren't active for this reason or that reason. Yeah. I think also, I mean, yeah, and this is just the context of all the moves that were made is they're probably thinking about the expand. I mean, there is in the back of there the expansion draft where these are the type, both Vegas and Colorado, the type of teams that actually have to fear uh, leaving a good player unprotected. And that could be factor for them because like, if you add a player to your team, you you acquire someone, then that's another player you have to worry about. I think both teams, yeah, I also, I, I do see that. I do see that both teams see themselves as Stanley Cup teams, uh, ready to win the Cup now. And they just say, like, let's not mess with that, potentially. Uh, all right, I guess we're out of time. I uh, hope you enjoyed the trade deadline special. Uh, uh, Shane, you have any closing statements? I guess um, I'll say, say, say one if if you get ready for the playoffs, get ready for the playoffs, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's all. That's all the time we have for the, for the show. Uh, thanks for, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, peace.